Hi, I'm Bobby, a caregiving consultant and educator, a caregiver support group leader, and a frequent speaker at caregiver conferences and webinars. I work one-on-one with caregivers to help them find ways to deal with the often confusing behaviors that come with a dementia diagnosis. And I'm her husband, Mike, and I'm a certified caregiver advocate and a certified music therapist. And I work with different care facilities in their music and memory program. Welcome to Dementia Spotlight, tips, truths, and straight talk about Alzheimer's and the many other forms of dementia. Interesting and informative guests will join us on the second and fourth Wednesday of every month. And on the opposite Wednesdays, we will provide straight talk about what people need to know before and after caregiving begins. Today, we're going to talk about early onset dementia and how it strikes people in the prime of their life, and it just turns their world upside down. Now, this is also an opportunity to mention the difference between early onset and um, early signs of dementia. People often get those confused. Um, Early onset usually strikes people below the age of 60, and sadly, with the increase in early onset, it can be late 40s, early 50s is what we're seeing now, and even some childhood dementias that are now developing. Today's guest was a pilot for 37 years whose last job had him managing pilots in flying Boeing 757-767 aircraft all over the world with UPS. Mm. In his 50s, he needed a heart valve replacement, and his partner, Catherine, was diagnosed with early-onset Alzheimer's. He and Catherine have a history of endurance athletes, so their reaction to the news was to sell their home and become nomads, running marathons and half marathons in 35 countries and on all seven continents. Wow. We're very pleased to welcome back Tony Copeland-Parker. Tony was a guest on our podcast, Roger That, and now we're happy to have him with us again. I'm glad to be here. And it turns out that you were my first podcast that I ever done when I uh, introduced my book uh, <laughs> back in uh, two, th- two years ago. So I'm glad to, to be back. And I'm happy that to hear from you about an abridged version of that book is coming out in May, and we definitely want to hear about that. But tell us about what you and Catherine have been doing. Well, uh, like you said, our, our counterintuitive uh, notion was to go out on the road and become nomads. And as you stated, we ran marathons and half marathons, and we actually visited it over uh, 82 different countries during the eight years that we were out on the road. Wow. Uh, Catherine was diagnosed back in uh, 2014. Uh, She was 53 years old. And so I knew something was uh, a problem about a year prior. So we're getting ready to come up on 10 years since uh, we noticed that something was was amiss. And uh, we've decided that uh, we had to bring our running all over the world saga to an end uh, here this past September. Uh, We did do one more trip uh, over to um, Berlin and Scotland last year, but we saw that uh, it was no longer feasible for us to take the long haul uh, trips over overseas. So we have been continually to be traveling. Uh, We still travel in the United States and uh, do races, uh, unfortunately. Uh, the stage that she's in right now, uh, she's no longer able to run, 
but she still walks probably about six to eight miles a day and uh, is able to do 5Ks and 10Ks. Uh, so we're still out there uh, doing races. Um, you mentioned in the beginning, you know, her diagnosis of early onset and that you knew prior to that diagnosis that something was not as it had been. That's one of the questions our listeners sometimes ask, and I see on caregiver sites, what were the first signs, the first indications that you knew that someone that you cared about was being affected by a dementia? Oh, yes. I, I have I have one that's two actually to stick out uh, very vividly in my mind was back in the day, back in 2014, when you would get your, your actual statement in the mail on your bank statement and you would sit down with your bank register and you would reconcile and, you know, normally it takes, you know, half an hour, 15 minutes to get that done. But she was sitting there and all day she was trying to match up each check with the statement. So I knew something was wrong there because it was just taking her uh, a long time to get that done. And finances are, you know, probably one of the first things that people start having problems uh, struggle with. Then the second one was that she got a new boss at the job that she was working. And he decided that he wanted to do things a little bit different. So he went in and said, okay, instead of you doing your job this way, I wanted you to do it this way. And that took her out of the routine. So a lot of times when folks first get uh, start having problems with uh, Alzheimer's. They're able to use sticky notes and routine and things of this nature to kind of hide the fact that they have a problem. Well, he blew it out the water by requesting her to do things totally different. And then, unfortunately, he put her on a uh, performance review and she feared uh, losing her job. So when that happened, I was able to get her to go see some uh, neurologist to try to figure out what was going on. Before that, I could not convince her that she had a problem. But once it started affecting her work and the fact that she might lose her job, then she was you know, able to, to want to be able to take it uh, more seriously. So was there any other signs other than the uh, checkbook situation uh, from a personal perspective? Well, from a personal perspective... I would come back, I would go on the road, you know, flying uh, here or there, and I would come back and I would, you know, talk to her about our plans of going to do a race, and she would start asking me questions about, you know, something I had just told her about. So, you know, the repetitiveness of, of asking questions was another sign that there was, there, there was a problem. Hmm. You know, the fact that the two of you were endurance athletes um, and continued this through her progression, it kind of indicates to me that being physically fit was is definitely helping her maintain as much as possible as things do move on, as they inevitably do. Um, and I have to say, you're looking pretty good, too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, wait a minute. I'm, I'm, I'm right here. He might not be in the same room, but he's still in the same house. <laughs> yeah, one of the things I did was... Uh, you know, being a manager, you're not a parcel service. I, I have a tendency to research everything. You know, what's the better way to do anything, uh, move the airplane safely? And then I, I kind of challenged myself to do the same thing with this diagnosis. So we had a diagnosis. So I started looking into um, 
what were some things that would be beneficial to her. And of course, exercise is one of the things that came up um, that they said that you should try to do as much as possible. Uh, I've read some studies about the fact that it needs to be something along the lines of, you know, 45 minutes to an hour a day, six days a week, as opposed to just trying to get your 10,000 steps in. So it worked out fine for the fact that we were doing marathons and, you know, we were training for them and then we would go ahead and do one. Then we incorporated also the fact that, as you know, your short-term memory is the one that is affected first. Right. So what we tried to do is take as many sightseeing uh, tours and take those types of things and move it into the long-term memory. So, for example, if you were out seeing the Eiffel Tower, uh, that would have a tendency to go into the long-term memory, and then that would be something that she could hold on to as long as possible to try to, to have some... Uh, some awareness and also some pleasure moving forward. Now you were you were blogging about your travels and it ended up being in in your book. Does the book come in handy to sit down and look back and and do some recall with her of the different trips? The whole blog idea was twofold. One was I read that it's very good for caregivers to journal uh, their experiences. So I was writing about where we were, and then also I was taking those blog entries and reading them to her, and it was uh, recalling you know, what we've done. And then when the book came out, I also took that same uh, piece of information and would read it to her as we would go along. And then I went and had an audio book done. Uh-huh. So I had a professional as we're driving along, we're you know, getting ready to wait for a flight or we're in the hotel room, we could toss in the audio book and listen to it. And then you could you know, see the spark that would you know, arise in her from the fact that she remembers you know, where we were and the, some of the goofy things I had us do along the way. You know, that... that- kind of fits into what my next question was, how to move something from short-term memory into long-term memory. But, you know, reading that and listening to it, and um, I guess that kind of answers the question. So I'm trying to figure out how we can transfer that to people who are not necessarily traveling and getting these wonderful new experiences every day, how to help them take those memories and move them into long-term. Well, I actually figured out something. I'm not the tech savvy as I, as I sometimes think, but I was over at my daughter's house and I was sitting there, you know, on the TV set. They had some music playing on the TV and then pictures were coming up from their time with their son. And I was like, whoa, wait a second. What's, what's going on here? And I go, oh yeah, dad, you can go out and get a fire stick. You know, it's an Amazon product, and you go in and you plug it into the back of your TV, and then it you can download all your pictures to this Fire Stick, and then you pull it up, and I push a button now, and I say, uh, uh, show me a slideshow of our photos of 2015, and then I play some music in the background, 
And as she is coming and going through the room, you know, she'll stop and she'll look and she'll see a picture of us wherever it was. And uh, I can see a smile come to her face. So, you know, for, for other guests, you know, that's something that they can look at. And I understand that, you know, you don't necessarily have to do the fire stick through Amazon. There are other right. uh, companies that, that have a similar product, but uh, it's, it's great. You know, I, I can take a picture today and then, you know, it's on there, you know, later on this afternoon of what we do. So I would just suggest, you know, taking as many pictures as you can. You, you saying that reminded me of something with my dad, uh, similar, but different as they say. Um, what, what happened, my dad grew up in Italy and opera was just a part of his life. And instead of uh, playing CDs for him, I got a DVD of Andrea Bocelli, and it was a co- it was a series of concerts all around Italy. Oh yeah, right. And it it showed some of the scenery between the songs. Oh great. And what what would happen with my dad is he would listen to the song and then he would see the different sceneries and it would spark. Yep. And he would start talking about history and what he learned in school and the time he went there. And I would pause the the DVD and let him talk. Oh, so this 50-minute right. CD sometimes took three hours mm-hmm. to get through, but it just created memories for me with my dad right. sitting there and having that discussion, that history discussion of him growing up. And it was a remarkable, remarkable thing. Now, that was in his past, not his recent. So that was right. in his long-term memory. Yes, yes, yes. But it sparked it right. and brought it out. And that's one of the beautiful things about music, yes. that it does that. Yeah, we play music. If we're in the apartment, we're playing music just about you know the whole day, from you know, the time we wake up to you know, the time we go to bed. Um, it's just something that you know sparks uh, a past and a, a pleasant memory. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it causes her to, you know, maybe shuffle her feet a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes you know, right now the stage she's in, she's, uh, more of a word salad or gibberish as you could call it, uh, type speech. Uh, um, but, uh, unfortunately, and she'll hear some words in a song that'll spark memory and then she'll she'll start talking about you know what what came to mind from it you know the beauty of this tony is is also that you're creating wonderful memories for yourself yes <laughs> so in those maybe in those moments where it feels overwhelming you can revisit some of those wonderful trips and the time that you've spent and it'll stay with you forever it, it's interesting you should bring that up because when I started looking into the fire stick, I was putting the pictures on and I was sitting and I was, oh my God, I was getting so sad, you know, because I was seeing pictures of her, you know, 10 years ago when she was very vibrant. And, you know, I was, sometimes I was sitting there crying and all. And then I was thinking about funerals for whatever reason and how a lot of people during the funeral, they'll have a slideshow of the, of the individual. And I said, well, it must be beneficial. You know, if they're doing it at a funeral, it must be, you know, somebody must have done some studies to say this is a good thing to do. So then I said, well, if it's a good thing to do, I need to move past the crying part 
and then move into the enjoyment of it. And it only lasted maybe a day or so that I had that those fits of of of, of uh, sadness. And now it's more of joy when I look back at those. So yes, it is beneficial for me. And you'll probably go back and forth between those <laughs> two. Yeah, yeah. I still do. So what you're saying is you're human, huh? Yeah, there you go. (laughs) See, I always, I always thought somebody running marathons was superhuman. Uh, No, they're just, they're just crazy. (laughs) Insanity. I wasn't going to say that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you said that she walks a lot now, um, and and that's great. Now, do you walk with her? So what we have here, um, I'm just going to jump forward a little bit and I'll answer that question with this okay. part, is the fact that I uh, we decided that we were going to settle down. So it, just like anything else, I had to research what's the best way to do this. And uh, I'll just walk you all through, as you know, there's Please. basically uh, independent living, um, there's uh, assisted living facilities, and then, of course, there's memory care. So most cases, what happens is with people with Alzheimer's, they get to the point where the, the caregiver or their loved one can no longer handle the situation. So they look for some place for them to stay. And when we came to the place we're at right now, the uh, director here said, well, you know, because of Catherine, she needs to go to memory care. Now, I had decided that the two of her, us were going to stay together uh, throughout this. Good for you. And that, uh, and I told him this, and he says, well, you know, I've got a two-bedroom over in memory care. I've been inside memory care facilities, and it is not a pleasant situation uh, for the caregiver. You know, the, the person who has the dementia might not know exactly what's going on, but it's, it's a pretty hard, hard uh, uh, situation to, to live through. So I decided that, no, that wasn't necessary. And then we looked into assisted living and we tried that out in one facility for a couple of days. But I I figured that that was just overkill. You know, I'm doing everything for us, but what? So why pay for to have this on hand? Right. So then we looked for a place that had independent living and that would be acceptable to uh, us being there. And we... I looked around. A lot of times what happens is you know, the husband or wife dies or they have start having problems uh, physically. And then the kids who are in the area start looking in the area for their loved one to live uh, nearby. So she has a daughter in Bloomington. Uh, I have a son in Harrisonburg, Virginia, and I have a daughter here in Atlanta. So we decided to, to look in Atlanta area because we were basically flying in and out of here quite often. Anyhow, it's uh, somebody wanted to come visit, they could fly in here very easily. So we decided Atlanta and then we decided on what kind of facilities. So it was a three month search. We found a, a beautiful place called Brookdale, Shambrell, uh, Roswell. Uh, it's in Roswell, Georgia. And it's, um, they have about 300 residents under roof. Uh, they have, what I really love about it is there's two, about two miles of corridors that you can walk up and down. And, you know, everybody has their apartment and they have their nice little, you know, decorations outside. 
Uh, there's flowers, there's pictures, there's chairs to rest. And then outside, uh, they kept a lot of the trees. So they're in bloom right now. It's a half mile walk around the facility. And so we were able to do you know, quite a bit of walking, uh, both indoors and outdoors. Uh, once we established ourselves here, then I started looking for help to help me uh, through, the, uh, through this uh, stage of the disease. And I found two ladies and I interviewed them. I went through about 30 folks to, that I interviewed and I told them, I said, you know, in the three to four hours you're going to be here, you're going to walk about two miles an hour. And so you, you need to be in shape and, you know, we're not going to be resting. You're not going to watch her watch TV. Uh, you're going to stay busy. And I found two individuals that really wanted to walk, you know, they wanted to, you know, stay fit. So um, as a matter of fact, I'm in the apartment now. Catherine's out with one lady right now. And uh, we walked uh, a couple hours this morning. The lady's with her now. is going to be walking with her this afternoon. We'll have lunch and then we'll have... We'll go back outside, walk some more. And she's putting in about six to eight miles a day of walking. And for it, from my perspective, that's her reserve. That's her resilience. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, people have, they can play music. They can still play music, you know, as a runner. She, you know, she can't run uh, anymore, but she's she's got a pretty good pace going for, for walking. So that's, I'm trying to keep her brain talking to her body as long as possible. They, they keep her into this stage that she's in right now. That's a long answer to her to a question, but there you go. But but it's but it's a great answer because it, it would give the listener kind of like a menu mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. to to move forward and uh, some of the things to look for and to look at and make the right decision for them as opposed to a one size fits all. Well, the comment you made about keeping her brain talking to her body as long as possible, I think that in itself yeah. is, is huge. Stimulation that fits the person, that keeps their brain talking to their body, is very important. And, and that, that is a precious bit of information that, that you just shared. Yeah. Now, I, I mentioned at the beginning... Um, the abridged version of your book that's coming out. Tell us a little bit about the changes and where people are going to be able to find that. Well, I'm a type of person that wants to have um, the best situation for Catherine and also the best situation for individuals that might be going down the same road as, as us. Uh, I, two years ago, as we discussed, uh, I came on your program and I talked about the fact that I had I just put out a book running all over the world, Our Race Against Early Onset Alzheimer's. It it was, uh, did very well actually, but it was a bit long, uh, to be quite honest. Uh, it had some other things that weren't necessarily dealing with the, the Alzheimer's in our running. And so I went back in and I, I did some trimming of it. And then also I, I wanted to find a publisher that uh, was like-minded and believed in what I was trying to say. So I found a publisher, uh, Morgan James Publishing, and that uh, we were, we had some very good conversations and they actually uh, worked on the cover of the book and changed the book to make it a little bit more appealing when you're in a bookstore. 
So what we're doing is it's available for pre-order right now. It's a May 2nd uh, that is going to be hitting the shelves. But you can go to your favorite bookstore and uh, ask, for them, ask them to, to pre-order it. Uh, you can go to our website, uh, runningwithcat.com, and it'll take you to the book section. And you can get it uh, Barnes & Noble. You can pre-order through um, Books A Million, and it'll also... Uh, through Amazon. So uh, you can actually you know, do it those three ways uh, to to get the book or four ways to go to your local bookstore. And that's one of the things that Morgan James is, is uh, well behind is the fact that they want to, folks to use their local bookstores as much as possible. Uh, I am actually still writing uh, to my blog, runningwithcat.com. I, I wrote about our transition Coming here, I just uh, put up a, uh, a very thorough and exhausting um, article on hydration for folks with uh, Alzheimer's and also just for folks that are getting older because it's just something that we don't really pay close attention to. How it came about that was, unfortunately, Catherine was starting to have seizures and the seizure would you know, just knock her, her legs out from under her. And for three, four days, you know, she was not able to do much at all. And then she would have to build back up. So doing my research, I found out that hydration is a, is a problem with seizures also. And uh, I, I did, a, a, I thought, a really good article on that. So I suggest your, your uh, folks go there to listen to that. So, so Tony, I got to ask you, because... It's just the way I am. <laughs> so if I went to the runningwithcat.com, and we'll certainly put the links on the website, the show website, and I said, I would like a signed copy of this book uh, and buy through the website. Yeah. Could I get a signed copy? I'll tell you what I'm going to do. For you all figure out how you want to do it, but for one listener that goes and contacts you and says that they would like a uh, a copy of the book, I'll, I'll give it to them and uh, we'll exchange information as to how they want it signed and then I'll sign it and I'll send it to them free of charge to, to one of your listeners. Well, thank you. That is so generous. Yeah, that is very thank nice. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, Tony, as before and still is, just a joy to talk to you. You are a wealth of information. <laughs> I, I, I mean, your quote keeps the brain talking to the body. Um, I suspect I might plagiarize that when I give presentations. <laughs> you know, it's this is all a learning process for all of us, right. you know, all your listeners as they go through it. One of the things that I did not realize is that this is not cookie cutter. No. Every single person has a different journey going along from the caregiver right. and also from the person that's been diagnosed. And, you know, what we're finding is that um, as, as time goes on, you know, you might not think, well, this is relative to me today. But if you look at your family and look at your family history, you might have somebody in your family that has it. So, the, you know, there's a possibility it might come knocking on your door one day. So this is something you might want right. to start reading up on. Uh, I, I, when we went at this, I thought, you know, oh, you know, this is going to be, you know, at the best a couple of years. 
And then, you know, then I was like, well, maybe five years, now 10 years. And, you know, as I keep pushing out those dates and hoping that we can make it to a, another milestone. Yes. Uh, Catherine turned 62 here uh, in May. So that's another milestone that we're going to be able to, to, to jump over. And I'm, I'm very happy of that. As are we. Tony, again, thank you for agreeing to be on the show. Uh, like I said, it's been a pleasure. Yes. And wish you nothing but success with the book and continued success with Cat. Thank you very much for having me. And I wish you much uh, success on your uh, new adventure here. Thank you so thank much. Thank you so much. Well, I think um, having Tony back was a, absolutely a wonderful decision to make. He shared so much good information with our listeners about walking and hydration and, and exercise and keeping your brain talking to your body. We are blessed to know Tony and wish him well with Kat. Yes, we are. On our show website at DementiaSpotlight.show, you'll find more information about us, Tony, and links to Tony's website and Tony's book, Running All Over the World. This has been Dementia Spotlight, tips, truths, and straight talk about Alzheimer's and the many other forms of dementia. I'm Bobby. And I'm Mike. And we are dedicated to providing you with tips, truths, and straight talk about Alzheimer's and the many other forms of dementia. Bobby and I would love to hear from you, answer any questions you might have, or just find out how you're doing. Follow us on Twitter at Bobby Carducci2 and at Michael Carducci4. To schedule us for your event, go to bobbycarducci.com website or email info at bobbycarducci.com. One of our listeners will have an opportunity to receive a free copy of Tony's book. To enter your name, send an email to info at bobbycarducci.com. Results will be posted on the show website on May 30th. Dementia Spotlight is produced by Carducci Caregiving Consulting, LLC.